everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 344, Kepka, Cucks, and Cramps. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. For all the American listeners, happy post-Thanksgiving. I hope you're recovered and and not in your turkey sl- slumber. How did it go for you two? Was it a good Thanksgiving? I know Sam made a last-minute Thanksgiving appearance, so maybe he wants to tell us how it was. Year well, before two, the, right? This- before Sam says that, if someone's in a turkey slumber on Monday, then I think... <laughs> Think they got well, something. leftovers. You know, maybe you got a lot of leftovers. Not as many people showed up as anticipated. You got half a turkey left to eat for the weekend. Let me just say, at this point, if that's in it, you should see a doctor. This is not. This can't be attributed to you. Maybe, of... maybe you have COVID. Exactly. <laughs> maybe, party. maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't slept since that Thursday, so it is just <laughs> sleeping. But yeah, I want to yeah. hear from Sam. Year two. Yeah, I, I snuck on. I snuck on a little Thanksgiving meal. Um, no, so we, we discussed it with my friend and um, he actually messaged me to kind of confirm if I was still going. So I was like, yeah, I'm still going. So it kind of worked out, really. It was like a long game. I played a long game. Does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> no. Yeah. And nor will I be encouraging him now. Or I might just say, you know, skip some episodes, you know, start a bit later. You know, they're NFL picks. You don't have to worry about them in the past. <laughs> so don't worry. Oh, then the end, so we, put, we put the blame on you, so I don't think that's an issue for him. Yeah. yeah so was the same food as last year or, or any new additions that you were liking or disliking? No, it was the same as last year, but there were there were three pies this time. So it was pecan, pumpkin, cream, and baked apple pie. So, so just to clarify, so, it wasn't the same as last year then. There was more things. <laughs> there was more. So the, the actual <laughs> dinner was the same, but the, the desserts, there was one more. So yes, okay. Frank, so, there was additions this time around. That's actually a pretty good one because I was going to ask both of you this because we had the same. Which one was your favorite of the three pies? Why would you ask both of us this? Why not? I, I didn't why, have them. I, what an anti-conversational thing! <laughs> like, why are well, you I was talking just, to us? Because I, I had the choices, and I know Sam did, and I thought maybe you had a pie choice, or just in general, if you had to big, choose. I'm not a big pie person, to be honest. Um, More I of a donut guy, we know. I don't like pumpkin pie. <laughs> it's weird. Um, it's, I, yeah, it's I'm, not, I'm, weird I'm, consistency. I'm not a big I'm not a big pie person. I mean. It's, a savory pie, like a meat pie, 100% on board with. But a yeah. pie for dessert, it's not really my thing. Okay. I'll go with the pecan pie. The good. sweetest of them all? <laughs> yeah, it's basically just a lot of sugar. So And pecans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and some pecans, surprisingly, in the pie. I'll go with that one. I think it's good. I wouldn't have it as often as an apple pie, so it kind of felt a little bit more unique in terms of when I would eat it. I'd probably only eat once a year and that would be a Thanksgiving dinner that I would have that. Whereas an apple pie, it's a very easy thing to have. You could easily have maybe one a year at McDonald's as well. So it feels like real apple pies. No, but the concept (laughs) is similar. It's it's an enclosed amount of hot apple. (laughs) Like 
Is it even Apple? Do we even know if it's an Apple inside? I'd like to confirm that it probably is Apple. I hope it's Apple anyway. Otherwise, they're uh, selling me down. But yeah, I'd say I mean, I'd Subway's tuna fish more. was like, what? Like chicken beaks? So <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, Subway was getting sued for their tuna fish not containing any tuna or fish in it. That was like a big thing that happened in the past two years. Part of the whole reason they've revamped their whole menu to be more like fresh and quality ingredients how they did they so they just outright lied like they well they say they're fish. not so was there ever like but a someone like star next to it whereas like not tuna fish they say they have fish in it but then people have done independent like investigation where they've taken the tuna out of their sandwich and gotten it tested and found it had basically everything but fish in it but getting back to the pies, I agree with you. I really like pecan pie, but I can only have it one, maybe twice a year. It's so sweet. It's just like a pure sugar bomb. Whereas apple pie, I have the stereotypical, my grandma makes really, really good apple pie. So whenever she makes it, I always have to eat it. And she would usually just make it for me for special like occasions. What does that mean? She would make it just so, for you on a special occasion. Yeah. Oh, so it's New Year's like Eve. A, this is just for Frank, though. Yeah. No, if we had a party with the whole family, she would go out of her way to make the apple pie, but I would really be the only one who eats it. Because no one else wanted it or because she would specifically say, this is just for Frank. Nobody else can have any unless Frank gives you permission. The first. She No, my, my grandma isn't the, the czar of apple pie. <laughs> Eddie, how was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was pretty good. Just had a couple people over. Um, it was nice. Nice to have an actual turkey this year, unfrozen. And How was uh, the moistness of the turkey? Was it the moistest oh, ex- of all? Excellent. I, I cooked two turkeys, so one cooked overnight. So one cooked for 11 hours in total. Uh, and then the other one I cooked in the day, the day of. So two different techniques, but both came out really well still have leftover turkey so i'll probably have two more days of leftover turkey i would guess have you been in a so that is why you look so sleepy <laughs> <laughs> that is why yes but no it's good um this weekend i also managed to get our well i got us really although me because i'm the one who manages our twitter account but i managed to get us into something of a twitter feud i uh Entered into a discussion about with what I'll call vaccination skeptics. I think if I labeled them anti-vaxxers, they might tell me that that's incorrect. I think they would twist it as they are just more inquisitive than the rest of us. I think they put it in a very positive sense that it's just they're curious. I think they say a lot. It's not that they don't believe the science. They're just curious. And we must all remember that science is all about challenging and testing. And it's best when that challenging and testing is done by random people on the internet with no scientific backgrounds and no ability to actually carry out any scientific research themselves. That's the perfect group of people to do that. But yeah, I entered into a, with a, onto a former footballer footballers uh, who we've interacted with a few times entered onto a Twitter feed. He likes to question the vaccine. 
And uh, I sort of asked him why he was qualified to question it. And people jumped on us and we got labeled the big shill podcast, which I enjoyed. We're just here, got directly accused that we were just a vehicle to spread Bill Gates propaganda, which is a major upgrade on what we actually are. So if that's an option, can I sign us up? Because I'm all on board in us just being a Bill Gates vehicle for injecting people with 5G chips. If if we, we can get this time. podcast sponsored by Microsoft, I'm all in. <laughs> I want it specifically sponsored by Bill Gates. I don't even. Oh, so what? Like Bill Gates or the Bill Gates Foundation? <laughs> well, you mean the no, because that's Melinda the Bill Gates. and Melinda Gates. Yeah. <laughs> no, I want this. We don't want to deal pro- with Melinda right now. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, is, is it still called that? Is it? Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've okay. as part of their divorce, they said that they were going to continue their efforts together to run the foundation and that they knew that each one of them brought real value. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. It's very, I mean, look, I'm not the first person. This isn't by no means a revelation. And this is a good opportunity to tell people to follow us on Twitter, the big chill podcast or on Instagram search for the big chill podcast. But it's so frustrating trying to talk to people on the internet. It's just so the lack of logic in any conversation you have it's just mind blowing. It's, and I know people will tell me, of course, but whenever you do try and just come at it and have a somewhat normal conversation, it doesn't take long for insults to start flying. And certainly there's not solid reasoning behind any of the sequences that you kind of go through. What was like the, the best reply you got out of that argument? So the shell is kind of inventive. That made me laugh. Yeah. I like yeah, the Big maybe. Shell podcast. Yeah, um, okay. I mean, to be honest, I might even—I'd be down for rebranding ourselves the Big Shell podcast. <laughs> well, I think new it'd be season quite, coming up, right? <laughs> it'd be kind of funny. Big changes, um, yeah. But yeah. so the origin of this story was that supposedly uh, there is a massive, massive spike in professional footballers suffering from cardiac arrests. And they are linking this to the vaccination. How they are drawing this conclusion, I don't know. The source of where this massive spike, supposed massive spike comes from, is just one clearly, completely nonsense, right-wing, bullshitty, Israeli online publication that's just there to be shared by bots. You know, like... You can look at it immediately. It's called like the real times of Israel or something. It's not, it's not like a real, and I'm, if someone listens to this and says, that's a real thing, I'm, I might be getting the name of this wrong. This is not a real thing. It's just exists to get people on the internet worked up. Clues and, in the name, Eddie. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's their, that's their only source. So on multiple occasions, I challenge them. Like, do you have any other sources to prove that there is this huge spike in incidents? And they, as soon as you ask them that, they ask you why you don't believe their source and then ask you why you believe your sources, which it's a solid question, right? I do take a lot of things at face value and I do not do my own investigations, but I kind of work on the basis that when the larger percentage of the scientific community comes to a certain conclusion that that's probably the safe bet, but. Wow. Well, this is our first Twitter feud. I also yeah. like, Eddie, how you do your personal fighting on Twitter via the, <laughs> the podcast account. 
<laughs> just yeah. lump us all into it. No, he's just he could be a full-on keyboard warrior because it's not got the name. It could be any of us. <laughs> so yeah. it just really sometimes yeah. I specifically. Yeah, when he, so when we get cancelled, it's all Sam. Yeah. I when, he, even, when he makes and he's yeah. like, I don't even have the Twitter. When, he, when he makes the more when he makes the more aggressive points, he's like, "This is Sam, by the way." <laughs> yeah, this is Sam taking over now. Eddie's not doing an aggressive enough job. But now, what it felt like, because you know, so much of the discussion is people saying, "But how do you know that the vaccine won't cause you harm? How do you know that this isn't a bigger concern than the virus itself? How do you know?" It felt a little bit as if. The, the comparison that kind of came up for me was the idea, and I didn't say this, but as if I was free falling in the sky, like I jumped out of an airplane without a parachute, and that midway down, someone had come close to me and said, here's a parachute. And I had turned around to them and gone, how do you know there's no holes in the parachute? And the person said, well, yeah, but you take it. And you go like, well, how do I know that this parachute's just not going to malfunction? Yeah, but just don't you know that sometimes people use parachutes and still die? It's like, yeah, but I also know that people who don't use parachutes pretty much almost always die. It's like, well, didn't you hear about that time when the guy fell out of the airplane without a parachute and didn't die? So are you really going to trust these parachutes? This is what it kind of felt like to me as I was... Because it's it, it's Im- it's impossible to prove. I will say it might, might be a little extreme of a scenario because I don't think ninety nine point nine percent of people who get COVID are dying in a free fall. But I do like the analogy. Maybe it's like they're jumping from the tenth story, but with okay. enough time, but with enough time <laughs> to, like, to have someone else come <laughs> offer them a parachute, put it on, and still survive. Wait, yeah, so okay. someone's There's opening a up like the. So someone's There's opening up like they... the sixth floor window and going, yeah. hey, <laughs> like, hoping like lobbing it out of the window and hoping you just catch yeah. it on the way down. Yeah. There's a good chance they survive, but they might be mangled. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll find the appropriate floor for that analogy and then we'll, we'll run with it. And hot off the press from the weekend. I know the, the listeners always love it. We have a, a Vasilis update. I spent some time with him yesterday and. Uh, oh, Yes. He told me about a, an interesting incident that he had had on Friday night. So he was out late. So he was out at sort of 7 a.m. in a bar and for a while was just sitting at the bar by himself. And he was approached by a man who came up to him and said, hey, you're really good looking. And he said, thank you. And he said, uh, you're like really clean and well put together. And uh, my girlfriend thinks you're really good looking. Wait, this is Vasilis at 7 a.m.? This, yes, yeah, yeah. He's I mean, clean you gotta, and, and kept together still. I, I don't buy I'm, this story one bit. <laughs> I, I mean, I know the bar he was in, so compared to the other options out there, it's believable. But okay. And then the boyfriend called the girlfriend over, and now here's the thing: is part of me feels like in telling this story as if this was a sort of when people used to send letters into Playboy or whatever, and they're obviously made up. The story seems hard to believe. At the same time, Vass is not the kind of person who embellishes his own stories because he kind of doesn't need to. Weird enough stuff happens to him that he doesn't need to seek out. But he he said this, the girl walked over, attractive girl, in a uh, trench coat, and then opened her trench coat and just had lingerie on underneath and the boyfriend said look we have an arrangement and 
I would like you to sleep with my girlfriend, but I want to watch. And uh, I, I think he says no. So Vass kind of speaks to them for a while. He's like, this isn't my thing. Then the boyfriend says, well, speak to the girl for a while. So the boyfriend just walks off, starts speaking to the girlfriend. She supposedly she's very attractive and very charming. And Vask agrees to go back French to their apartment. or American or what? Yeah. So the, have you got any more context? Like kind of age range? And the boyfriend. What was her name? What's her Instagram account? <laughs> the boyfriend. <laughs> the boyfriend was French. I think the girlfriend was Polish, I believe. Vass decides to go back to the apartment. They say, come back. You can leave whenever you want. We've got drinks. We've got drugs. Whatever time you want to leave. I just want to put this now, in wait. the public. Okay, go, go ahead. And I have a question before you get past that. I want to part I would put this in public domain as a recommendation that I hope Vasilis listens to. This is, sounds like the way you get yourself abducted. <laughs> and, and he should not be going back with anyone offering him this kind of proposal at 7 in the morning or at any time of the day. But yeah, Frank, what's what's the question? Good point, Frank. The, the question's coming hot off the press now. Yeah. <laughs> He's just getting it in. <laughs> The newsreader's got it. Yeah, that basically answered. I was kind of going to ask, are you nervous going to someone's place? Like, this feels like a classic Parisian setup to me. <laughs> this feels like best case scenario. This is how you get robbed. Like yeah, best, for sure. Absolute, absolute best case scenario. You walk into an apartment and they say, okay, give us your phone and all of your belongings and leave now. And like, Vass is, worst case scenario, the big shill podcast is is getting ransomed by yeah. Vasilis. So, yeah. and, and and we do not have a particular set of skills. It could be it could There's... be like an interview. It could be one of our interviews. Or do we have any money? <laughs> no, we are we are not in a position to save us. That would just be it would be a short phone call. We have so your Vass, friend. Is Vass? You know, seven a.m. in a bar. Is he really drunk? Is he still pretty I think he's, of sound I think he's mind? pretty drunk. Okay, I think he's he's pretty. I don't know if he's ever of a sound mind, but yeah, yeah he's, he's pretty drunk at this point. So he goes back, sits down, says he feels uncomfortable. Girlfriend kind of like takes her uh, trench coat off, starts kissing him. Boyfriend just sitting there watching, like gets him a drink. He says, "Really nice apartment." He was like, "This is a very very nice apartment." <laughs> these details of I love the wandering eyes you. he's just yeah. a lady taking off her trench coat and he's just looking around at the decor he complimented excellent me excellent kitchen he, appliances they had a viking could. oven range it was beautiful there was a smeg fridge yeah. he complimented the apartment whilst telling the story on multiple occasions and then he, at one point too was like I wonder what the boyfriend does because it's a really nice apartment but the he then so it has a drink, kind of stays there for a little bit, but chickens out, decided it wasn't for him. They gave him their phone number and said, if you ever change your mind, give us a call and you can go through it again. But the condition is it always has to be with the boyfriend present. The boyfriend gave him a specific warning. Don't try and go behind my back. Don't try and do some secret arrangement. This is our deal. I have to be there. I have to watch. So is he going to follow up? I don't think so, but who surely, knows? Surely, surely the boyfriend should have just given his number and said, "You come through me." Well, I think it is, but I still think yeah. you know he's still worried that maybe 
who knows, you figure out Instagram or, or something happens or you go to the apartment during the day when maybe he's at work, who knows. But uh, he then, whilst he was telling me this story, he kind of had a moment of self-reflection where he questioned whether or not he was weird because he couldn't go through with this. And because also, if you recall, back when he went to that sex party, he also couldn't do anything other than eat. So he was wondering whether <laughs> his, his like inability... He couldn't do anything at the party. He couldn't do anything but eat. That's the only thing he feels comfortable with when other people are watching. <laughs> yeah. So he he was wondering whether or not he, there was something unusual about him that he found it difficult to perform sexually with random strangers watching him. I tried to reassure him that I thought that put him in the, the normal class of people. But I, I don't know whether or not he really believed me. He, he Vasilis is quite the character. I mean, just piggybacking off of this story, I think it was Saturday, or maybe it might have been Sunday. I just got a random message from him on Instagram saying, what do you think about a trip to Japan? <laughs> like, out of nowhere. I haven't talked to him in a few days. And I said, I, I don't know. To be honest, I've never really been attracted to going to Asia. It's never been in my top spots. I just don't – don't, I'm not that I dislike the culture. It's, it's not – something I'm super interested in and kind of exploring. And he's like, well, we need a boys trip, you know, all of us. And I was like, yeah, can't we go somewhere a little closer than Japan? Like, why does it have to be a $4,000 trip? Can't we do, I don't know, like Spain? <laughs> like, can we stay a little closer? <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he asked me the same thing on Sunday. I think he said that you were in, you were fine with it. <laughs> He's so a liar. So, but yeah, he. I think he had a reason. I can't remember what the reason was. But I think his reason he, was because Japanese women are very attractive. That was his problem okay. to me. But I think it's because he <laughs> saw a specific Japanese person. You know, what I mean, like this is this. He's uh, it's one person on his mind, and that is now he's decided. I mean, I'm surprised he's not just moving to Japan. But uh, yeah, no, he was. And whilst he was telling me the story, he said. Like, I don't know, two minutes into it, he goes, you're going to tell this on the podcast, aren't you? And I was like, oh, 100%. And he was like, no. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it fast. He was like, okay. But eventually, you got to start paying me for my stories. <laughs> Get out of here, fam, for yeah, stories. It's not working like that. <laughs> well, I did not have the, uh, I guess, fun adventure that Vasilis had this weekend. I decided to go on a hike Sunday and I usually go on a hike every weekend and it's usually a big elevation gain, like up a mountain or something like that. Never usually an issue, but the day before I had lifted legs very hard and looking back on it, it was a very bad idea. And I decided to do a hike that's basically double what I normally do. So I was doing a hike twice as hard with doing a lot of leg lifts the day before and so i guess I should preface this by for some reason my whole life i get really bad leg cramps and i've asked other people and they don't experience them like i have when i was growing up in high school for instance there would be times i would wake up in the middle of the night in so much pain that i couldn't walk and would have to fall out of my bed and basically crawl to my bathroom to to like get water where in your legs are you cramping your calves yeah no, every no, no, um, like quads and hamstrings completely cramped oh, wow. up. So I couldn't, yeah, like really, I mean, one of the most painful things, and I've had some pretty painful injuries, 
leg cramps, these types of leg cramps are pretty much the worst injury I've ever had. And it's bad because like your hamstring cramps. So you try and stretch it out to stretch it, but then your quad starts cramping. So you have to, yeah. you know, there's no relief. And I used to get these a lot and I haven't getting them much recently. Cause I just drink a lot of water. I mean, I drink a lot of water during the day, but anyway, so we do this hike. We get about two thirds of the way and I can feel the cramps are coming and it's just my quads. And every time I make a step and now we're climbing a mountain. So every time I make a step onto like the next rock, it's cramping and it's getting worse and getting worse. I make it up to the top. Probably shouldn't have. I had to stop with about 15 minutes left, regroup and compose myself and finish. But I looking back, I probably should have just started going down because it got bad. But we get to the top. I hobble my way back down, get to the car. I've got about three liters of water in the car. I had a two liter pack that I emptied during the hike down these three liters in the car, just within a minute. It was unbelievable. Get in the car, doing good, order breakfast, go to get breakfast, like a 15 minute drive, feel fine, you know, like feel better now. I guess looking back on it, sitting in a stuck car position, driving for 15 minutes after that happened, wasn't the best. So now I pull up to the restaurant and I'm kind of right in the front and the way the restaurant's set up, it's got a little outdoor patio in front of the entrance. And then you go into the entrance and like pick up your food. Now I, you know, don't think anything's going to happen. Open the car door, step out. And all of a sudden my legs just seize. And I'm like right in front of the restaurant and I kind of like half fall to the ground because they see so bad and I wasn't expecting it. So I kind of try and pop myself back up and talk myself into, I got this, I got this. I take about two steps, both legs just completely cramped, like from the top of the leg all the way down, hamstring, quad, calf, everything is cramped up. So now I've got like just like peg jello legs and I kind of hobble to, to the wall of the restaurant and there's this woman in the front patio eating and she locks eyes on me she must have thought I was having a, a heart attack or something more serious she gets this complete look of worry and in my desperation of not trying to look like a wimp I'm like no oh, it's okay I got it I got it like it's not it's not as fast as you think I hobble back into the car because I can't make it to the restaurant. I'm about six steps from the restaurant, but it's way too far. So I hobble back into the car. I look around. All I've got left to drink is a like stale cold coffee from in the beginning of the morning before the hike and a full warm energy drink. But I need some sort of liquid to kind of break down this, this, uh, cramp so i chug an entire coffee and an entire energy drink and then hobble back out of the car it, it, i must have looked like you know the end of the iron man competition that video where the guy's just kind of like hobbling on the finish that must have been what i've looked like trying to get into this restaurant just trying to pick up my order i bring in like an empty water bottle i just like hobble all the way to the back to where the water is I mean, people must have thought I was like a dying homeless person the way I looked. I'm like drenched in sweat from the hike. I can't walk. I'm all dirty, you know, from sweat. And I just start filling up this water and just chugging it in front of everybody. I've got water pouring down my body. I'm just trying to relax my legs. It was probably the most unflattering moment of my life. 
because I, I can't imagine what people were thinking. I drank about another three liters of water there in two minutes, grabbed my to go and then just got in the car and just never looked back that, that poor woman, like when I know, cause when I stepped out of the restaurant, she kind of, I saw her kind of nudge her friend and be like, yeah, that was the guy. Like, look at him. And they kind of both just stared at me the entire way as I got into my car. So it was not a flattering moment, but did you, it's, did you tell anyone at any point that it's just your leg cramps or did you try and keep this like malaise of, Oh, don't worry. It's not a heart attack, but Oh, Oh, I'm in pain. <laughs> like, no, cause you... I don't want to really say anything because I don't want to acknowledge the fact that people can see how terrible and pathetic I look at the point. I kind of just want it to be like in my own bubble and pretend it never happened kind of thing. <laughs> so your bravado of, making people think that everything's okay rather than you looking like you're into like old-fashioned braces that mean your knees can't move (laughs) (laughs) and chugging water down your chest was a better look rather than leg cramps yeah because it's also really embarrassing like i have to think one of the more embarrassing things to say even though i will admit it's probably like i said one of the most painful things ever is going to someone being like hey excuse me my leg is really cramped. Can you go fill up this water bottle for me and bring it back? That is so embarrassingly pathetic that I was not going to do that. But there was a point when I got, yes, it is. And I got back to the car and right before I chugged the coffee and the energy drink, I thought to myself, I might just toss this $30 worth of breakfast food out the window and not pick it up and just drive home. Like, is it even worth me picking up this food? Because it was just so embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Somehow that would have been a better look than telling people you had leg cramps. Yeah, you don't want to tell them <laughs> you have leg cramps. That's so pathetic. I freaking hurt. So I get it in my calves a lot, like a lot, especially my left one, and it's just painful. Like I do the same as you. Like wake up in the middle of the night, say you've stretched, and you feel that kind of twinge, and all of a sudden yeah. it's oh, it's agony for like ten minutes. But I don't. I don't necessarily agree with your logic of like <laughs> feigning not saying a leg cramp. I think I'd just tell everyone. I'd just be like, don't worry, guys, it's leg cramp. Could you just give me a hand with something? Like, I don't know. But it kind of sounds like a good story. <laughs> yeah. Looking back on it, I definitely had to have looked like the Iron Man guy trying to finish, just kind of wobbling back and forth. But when I fell I, onto the wall and I locked I think... eyes with the woman part of me was laughing inside as much pain as I was in. I was like, Oh my God, it's embarrassing. I think comparing yourself to someone who had just completed an Iron Man, Iron Man is a very generous comparison. I think you would have, I'm, not, the say- Hulk. I'm not saying that I did. No, the but same. I mean, I know, I know, I know you're not, but you're saying, Oh, I bet you these people saw me and they thought, Oh, this guy looks like the guys. When you see those people completing the Iron Man with their wobbly legs, they probably looked at them and were thought, what is wrong with that man? Yeah. Like there yeah. was like that man is in desperate need of help for one reason or another. <laughs> yeah. It is it is like saying like, oh, I must have looked like um what is it, Alistair Brownlee after the triathlon, where his brother helps him over the line. It's like, yeah, probably just like that. <laughs> no, probably more like the dying homeless man analogy. <laughs> Why do you have to keep through comparing yourself <laughs> to a homeless person because he had leg cramps? No, because like how I was dressed and stuff. I mean, my shirt was just drenched 
in sweat because I had just done this hike. Is that what you associate like, with homeless people? It had no, because it had like the crusty sweat kind of thing. Like it was in, in rough shape, and I was really dirty because of like the trail. So my whole legs were kind of like dirted up and things like that, and my hair was just everywhere because I've been sweating and had a hat on and everything. I did not look in good condition. <laughs> oh, I believe that. I just don't know if we have to drag the homeless into this. Sorry. Did anyone try to help you in the restaurant? You said this lady had like a cause for concern. Did anyone think like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Or did they just leave you in that kind of like weird, if I get involved, then I have to do more maybe than I think. Most just, yeah, most just left. The, the woman who looked concerned, I had waved her off and been like, nah, I'm okay. But other than that, once I got into the restaurant, I just beelined to the little water fountain thing. And I think once people saw me filling up my water bottle and just chugging it, just as like as as crazy as I could chug water, I think they kind of realized what was happening. <laughs> but great breakfast burrito <laughs> afterwards. Plus the 600 grams or 600 milligrams of caffeine I'd had when I chugged the coffee and energy drink felt great an hour and a half later as my heart was racing watching the the morning football games, the NFL. Well, I guess that's as good of a transition as as uh, as good of a transition as any if I can not have my mouth cramp up. What did you think? Kind of. And I say uneventful NFL weekend. I don't think there were any real shocks. There were some somewhat surprising results, but I don't think compared to recent weeks where we've had some really big upsets, this kind of felt more as if most of the games kind of went the way you would have expected them to. Some of the teams that have been struggling looked a little bit better. I mean, obviously we've got the Thanksgiving games. Maybe we want to start there. I don't think we need yeah. to pay any attention to the, the Bears-Lions Thanksgiving game pretty pretty bad game I, yeah i mean the only take-home message from there is at some point the lions just need to get some sort of luck to get a win uh, you have to start to feel bad for them at this point you know another last second loss played enough to have won that game yeah i mean that was a bit of a different last second loss though right because in previously they've sort of had 60 yard field goals hit and you'd feel unlucky this the bears drove into you know right into their territory so you kind of knew they were going to lose barring barring a miracle then there was the cowboys game which just was devastated by penalties oh that was that was stupid you know i, I don't know what how else to put it it just got so annoying with how ticky tacky those pass interference calls were. And I especially disliked that last one, which is the face guarding one that you and I always joke about, you know, whether you can face guard the NFL, but it, it, I don't understand how that was. A, he'd never even touched the receiver. You know, I, I don't get how, I think at some point something needs to change with the interpretation of the underthrown ball and the pass interference, because I get if you're a receiver and you're running down, you see the ball's underthrown, and you turn and try to run towards the ball, and the defender prevents you from doing so. I can understand that. 
But when you're a receiver and you're running and you just turn around and the ball's underthrown, then it's not the fault of the defensive back to, for being in good position, being in front of you. I, I, I think it's very stupid to fault the DB in that instance when all you're doing is trying to reach for a terribly thrown ball and the DB happens to be there in perfect position. That, that to me was a very bad pass interference. And I dislike when it decides games like that. If it's going to be controversial, it, just let it go. You, you know, and, and you knew that was going to be a controversial call when he threw that flag. Yeah. I mean, I look, they were calling them all day. I guess if you're the officials, you would say, you know, you if you've been calling something for 59 minutes, you know, why stop 59? Um, but I thought it was a little bit of a soft pass interference. It is the kind of thing you do see called. I think the real issue I have it with it, the Raiders receiver actually kind of grabbed the helmet of the, of the Cowboys defensive back. So if anything that's part of the reason why he was unable to turn his head around. And yes, it wasn't a penalty. It's not college. So the penalty was not for, you know, not turning. It, it was just the pass interference. But as they kind of explained, the fact that you don't turn your head around and don't put, not, are not in a position to play the ball means that you then get called for what might otherwise be seen as sort of incidental contact. But it wasn't a very good game. I mean, the Cowboys in the second half were a much better team, and they'll probably kick themselves for the fact that they they gave the game away in the first two quarters or maybe even the first two and a half quarters. And then, I mean, that fourth quarter for them was pretty impressive. But it was a little bit too, you know, too little too late, although they did manage to tie the game. But, but yeah, I, I don't know what to think of this Cowboys team. There's moments where they look so good, and then there's moments where I can't imagine them winning a playoff game. Well, I mean, they're missing two stars, right? That's got to account for something when you're missing Lamb and Cooper. Do either of those stars play on defense? <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> no, they know. don't. You're right. They don't play on defense, but you always hear, you know, the if you have a good offense that can stay on the field and make sustained drives, then it takes the pressure off your defense. And that first half, the Cowboys had a lot of quick drive, three and outs, that just kept putting the pressure on their defense and their defense isn't great. You're right. But I think with those two in, you score more points and maybe you give your defense a little more rest and you can outscore opponents. Not optimal. It's not an optimal plan. I mean, it worked for the chiefs one year and it didn't work for them the next year. So it's, it's not, it's not what you want to go in doing, but. Then the bills just demolished the saints. I mean, the kind of Thanksgiving game we've been used to in recent years where it's barely a game. I mean, that feels like every Thanksgiving has to, in a sense, you kind of knew it was coming because you had the first two games that were decided in the final seconds. And then you're coming into the final game of the night and it's impossible to imagine that they're going to, you're going to have three nail biters. And so, I mean, that game was over in a hurry. And I mean, the saints just look terrible. But yeah, good news, they're on. Pathetic. Good news, they're back on Thursday night football this week, so we get to With watch Taysom it again. Hill starting now, yeah, get to watch it in prime time. Can't wait. It's kind of the theme of this season, right? Is these teams where they perform, underperform, then massively overperform. Like even in the middle tier teams, kind of the the elite teams, you just get this sense that 
bad performances, then suddenly you see their ceiling of like a dominating performance. And you've seen that so much with the Bills in a way. They're almost like the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team in this. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, transitioning through some other games as well, even like mid-tier teams, whether you want to call them that, like AFC North being a really good example. Like the Bengals suddenly blow out two teams uh, before that look pretty poor against the Jets. Then you've got like the Browns where they can blow out teams like the Bengals, have poor performances, the Raiders inconsistency, the Steelers obviously three weeks ago had the back of three wins and looking consistent. So I, I think it's just a, a theme of this season is that teams are really showing their kind of like best and worst and the consistency is missing. Maybe save the Patriots at the moment. but Yeah, the Patriots are on a seven game winning streak. They look like, in some respects, the only team that's consistent and reliable. But hey, talking about a team that's peaking, Niners look pretty good. You laughed when I threw them out as 80-1 to 1 Super Bowl candidates a couple of weeks ago. You're not going to get 80-1 to 1 anywhere right now. I didn't laugh. I just didn't say anything. <laughs> do, do they look really good? Yeah, I would say they look very good. They look now like they are doing the thing. They have their identity. They're just going to run the ball down your throat. They're going to do it in creative ways. And they're going to present you with a problem that no other team in the league is going to, which I think is a real issue when you play a team in the playoffs who are completely different to everyone else you're going to have to play. If you have a week to prepare to play them in a playoff game, it might not be enough to get used to the fact that you are playing against a completely different beast to every other team you've faced. When you look at who they've played, though, very inconsistent Vikings, what is turning out to be a very inconsistent, if not lowly Rams, lost to the Cardinals, beat the Jags, beat the Bears, lost to the Colts. Like, we, you know... We, we talk about kind of who teams beat. and I think it's the... Always. And look, I'm not trying to say they're the best team in the league now, but I think it's the nature. It's the fact that they consistently now are putting together these 10-minute back-breaking drives where they go 90 yards and suddenly a whole quarter is gone and your defense has been on their field the entire time and it's getting gassed and your whole team is frustrated because you're just giving away the game in these little chunks and you're watching wide receivers line up in the backfield and then pick up a few yards and you're watching a running back suddenly line up at wide receiver and a tight end suddenly a you know offensive lineman for a play and you know you're I think that's look I'm not expecting them to actually win the Super Bowl I think they'll make I said a couple weeks I think they'll make the playoffs I think that's going to happen now that was obviously a big win in terms of because you had two teams competing for that sort of same type of spot within the NFC. Um, but yeah, I think they look, I think they look good. They don't look perfect. Yeah. But they I, look good. I like the sustained drive eight. What was that last one right before the end of the first half, a nine minute drive they put in to score that touchdown. I still worry. I watch Garoppolo and he makes some really nice throws. And then he makes some really poor throws and poor decisions kind of, you know, and that's what worries me is if you come against a team who then can shut down the run, can you trust Jimmy G to, to win you the game? That still slightly worries me. Their defense looked pretty good. Um, I think Kirk cousins also looked really bad. He had a, just, he did not look on at all. Um, 
but it was it was impressive. I I have slightly turned the corner on the Niners. What's interesting is their final game is against the Rams, and that could be a very important pre-playoff win and you're in game. The way the Rams are imploding and the way it that the Niners be. are heating up. <laughs> well, it could be, or the Rams could be totally out of the playoff picture by then, and the Niners are playing the Rams second string. I don't think they would do that. Cause I know you have the Shanahan McVay rivalry. And I would guess even if the Rams were totally out of the picture, Shanahan uh, McVay is, is sending in his best players to try and get one over uh, Shanahan. But yeah, look, that's, there are some, there's a number of interesting final week games. Uh, that is one of them, but you know, I think they'll make the I think they'll make the playoffs. I think that they'll come undone against someone. I mean like I it's hard for me to imagine them beating the Cardinals, for example. That's you know the Cardinals remain the team in the NFC who look the scariest. But everyone else, I I mean you can poke holes in everyone this season. You know there's We've in recent years we've always had these dominant forces, and it's been very easy quite early on to say, "I think at least this is the best team in the NFC, or this is the best team in the AFC." And this year, in both the NFC and the AFC, I have a sense of who I think the best teams are, but each one of them has a massive flaw, and that could be their undoing in at any stage in the playoffs. Yeah, so Sam and I really don't have much to preach about because we both. We're definitely inferior in our picks to Eddie this week. But I think the one that we can rub it in a little bit is how done is Big Ben Rosselsberger and the Steelers? Can we officially put them in the trash, Eddie? Yeah. Can can you get on my can you get on my side and put Big Ben in the trash bin already? Is he just in the trash bin? Am I He's still in, no, he's he's still in my house. house. He is He is in the bin. The bin's at the curb. The it's garbage men day. are coming in the morning. Yeah. It's <laughs> trash day. It's okay. trash. It's trash day. You've got about an is hour he... to pull it back if, if you have a last second change of heart. <laughs> is he hiding inside no. that trash can? Just no, he's just waiting. He's just hopping. He's just accepted it. He's waiting for it to end. But no, it was it was good seeing that pass rush right. consistently get to him. Like, I mean, he's a statue. Well, they won I'm three in a row, right? They I'm pretty sure I could get to losing him. these three, right? So they were doing something. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. But well, they won they won four in a row. But it's Broncos, a sad Seahawks, end. Browns and Bears. Yeah, it's a sad end to. Of someone who's had a good career. It's it's going to leave the wrong type of memory in people's minds of what Roethlisberger was. Just because now you just see him as this kind of lumbering thing that kind of slowly moves as the pressure comes and then takes too long to throw and then his arm always gets hit as he throws or the pass gets deflected. Like that's what every Steelers play feels like. Whereas he used to be one of the most difficult players to tackle in the league. People used to bounce off of him. Kind of wasn't fast, but he would be able to either do something with his feet or at least escape the pocket and then make a good a big play. So it's just, 
is, someone needs to sit down next to him and say, maybe we can call it a yeah, day it's kind now. Of like the Drew Brees watching that final season play out. You kind of, rem- you hope you don't remember the final season. And to be honest. But at least Drew Brees was chasing records. And they were in playoff contention. You know what I mean? Like as dumb as they well, were. I guess the Steelers still technically are, yeah, but as they were a better, the, the Saints were a better team than the Steelers are. I don't know about that, but but at least, you know, there was kind of a reason for him dragging out the remainder of the season. This feels entirely pointless. I will I will say this about the Bengals, though, right? Okay, you can talk about the Steelers being done and things like that, but that kind of Jekyll and Hyde style performance, right? You've got a Bengals team that have now lost pretty badly to the Browns and the Jets. And then the last two games against Raiders and Steelers have outscored them 73 to 23. I mean, they look really good, right? But simultaneously, they've shown a very high ceiling, a very low ceiling. Probably their performance is what, in the middle of that or their competence. I mean, they've got the Chargers, the Ravens, the Chiefs and the Browns coming up in their next, what, like six? What is it, six left? Are they, is there a shot? I I think they're next. The 49ers, I think, as well. Like, is there them. a playoff shot here for these yeah, they, this team? Yeah, of course. Of course. But, I mean, I think their next two games are a big test for them. Because in the Chargers and the Niners, they're playing two fringe playoff teams who, in particular, my concern for them a little bit is having watched the teams run against them pretty well. Like, the Niners one is going to be an interesting test. But, yeah, look, if they win their next two games, then... I, when I say I'd consider them to be legitimate, I mean a legitimate playoff team. Not as in this team is not going to be challenging for the Super Bowl unless something very weird happens. But I mean, look, they they have the they will be a good team, a very good team at some point in the next few years. They have all of the makings of a good team. It just it's probably a little too soon for them. But they have the ability to put in very good performances. I wish the same could be said for the chargers i'm starting to just get so confused as to what this team is uh, they're just they're very unreliable the the defense is very unreliable to even think about having the broncos put up 28 points with teddy bridgewater hurt drew Locke came in for a quarter and then bridgewater came back and they blatantly said he can't move and he still was able to to put up 28 14 in the fourth quarter Although one was a pick six, but um, Herbert didn't play well. He was getting pressured like crazy. I don't, I don't know if they're for real or not. And I, I'm starting to think they're not. I'm starting to think you just get great games out of Herbert every once in a while that make them better than they are. I'll make this simple for you, Frank. They're not for real. Do you know what this Chargers team is exactly like? A lot of the Chargers teams with rivers i I think they're on course to be kind of the same thing they've been for 15 years which is every once in a while they look really really good and they're going to make the playoffs sometimes and they're going to put in some incredibly good performances along the way but push comes to shove they're going to have too many really bad performances and they're not going to be good enough to beat several good teams in consecutive weeks in order to really have a great season i mean speaking of uh, kind of you you were saying about the Bengals being like playoff contenders but like looking at New England now uh you've got to put them in the Super Bowl contention right here because I was looking at some of the stats for their 
kind of last four games or the fact that there were what six or seven as you say but what is it 17 turnovers in a six game winning streak and they've only conceded 26 points in the past four um I mean that's pretty impressive in itself right but I guess the question I had is like I I, I like the Titans and I said that they may be a pretty good outside bet I'm pretty much against that now but do you find that that win that the Patriots had um, was more to do with the fact that the Titans are just a completely banged up offense, or is it just the fact that New England are just so consistent? They surround Mac Jones so well, and the defense is clearly just coming out with picks and turnovers. That that's what's doing it anyway. I- they're a good team. They're like a well-oiled team. I think my opinion of them has been they're kind of probably at the bottom of the tier in terms of how good they can be, but they're very consistent. They're extremely well coached. They do what they do. They're going to beat bad teams all the time. If you want a team that you know is going to be safe to beat a bad team, barring week one, really, it's the Patriots. Before calling them Super Bowl contenders, and yes, I know we kind of pick and choose when who you beat matters that much. But I mean, when you look at the list of teams, so they obviously they had that close loss to the Cowboys. They followed up by absolutely destroying the Jets, but they're the Jets beating the, the Chargers, but, I mean, we've just spoken about how we're not sure the Chargers are that good. Beating the Panthers, Panthers aren't good. Absolutely destroying the Browns, which is impressive, but the Browns also aren't that good. Destroying the Falcons, the Falcons are bad. And destroying a Titans team that, I mean, is a is a is just a shell of its former self just because of through injuries to its offense. It's It's not a good team anymore. That's not saying they're not good, but I want to see them beat. I mean, the test is, Bills is Bills. starting now against It's Bills Colts Bills. Bills next three weeks. I mean, yeah, let's like, see how they do there. If they come out of that with two wins, then they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. If they come out of it with one, particularly if that one win is just the Colts, then eh. And if they come out with three wins, then... I might go ahead and stamp them as Super Bowl favorites. Yeah. I mean, I've been down on the Patriots all year. I will bump up slightly after this game, but I did watch a majority of this game, and the Titans, I think this loss was more of a Titans losing this game. The score is flattered by the fourth quarter, where the Titans kind of just kind of gave gave up almost. But 16-13 at half, with the Titans missing a, what, 30-yard field goal and an extra point. So four points left on the board at half. And then four turnovers, three of which were terrible. I mean, two were 50-yard runs and then a fumble. You know, I, either of those changed the whole complexion of the game if you break a 50-yard run and then just don't give the freaking ball away at the end. And Tannehill played terrible, but I will credit the Patriots to making Tannehill look that bad. So I do think... They are a good defense, but I still will not trust that offense until I see it, them play against a defense that will truly push them. I, I cannot put my trust in a rookie Mac Jones, and he may be great, and I'm not saying he's not, but to put that much trust in a rookie to win the Super Bowl, is I think it's a stretch. Any other big talking points from, from the weekend? I mean, I think the Rams... I don't know what's going on with the Rams. And that's another team that, uh, you know, we, we joked off podcast. Are they getting the OBJ curse? He did have a touchdown, but 
you know, they're zero two since they got OBJ, and I think that's a little harsh because they sucked before they got OBJ. So well, they only had what, it's a two little bit harsh OBJ. to throw them like the... or three, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but you know what I mean. No, they I didn't. Know. They didn't look good before he arrived. So. But I, I took that game as I have to start changing my opinion on the Packers. The Packers looked in control the entire game, and they're going to get some key pieces back. Uh, so you have Bakhtiari's coming back. You have um, Alexander, the corners coming back. Uh, the linebacker, Devarius Smith, right, is coming back. So they're looking good now, and they're missing three potential stars on their team. So they're only going to get better. And I am starting to be swayed that they may be a Super Bowl favorite. Over the cards, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think the, right now, if if I had to make a prediction as to who's playing in the NFC Championship game, I'd go Packers-Cardinals. Obviously, you give the Packers a slight edge because they've already beaten the Cardinals this season. So they'll be confident going into that. But, but yeah, I mean, they're, they've been the most consistent team this season. Because if you can throw out week one, which is fair enough to do, and you throw out the game against the Chiefs when they were missing Rodgers, which even then they weren't blown out. They've been, they kind of turn up and do the same thing pretty much every week. Do you think Rogers knows how terrible that rat tail looks coming out the back of his helmet and that he's just doing it because it's Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. 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 I think so too. He's that guy. Because that is just disgusting. Looking. He's that guy. It looks awful. <laughs> yeah. No, he's that guy. He likes the attention. He likes being weird. You know, it's it's not on the level of our favorite quirky quarterback, but it is the same idea of intentionally looking bad or weird so that it is a talking point and so that it kind of gives you personality through a bad decision, which we all know people in the real world who love to do that. I'm never a fan of those people. Speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick, is he ever coming back? <laughs> Did he like secretly retire? No one knows. <laughs> um, it's a good point. I mean, he. It's a good point. I think he was out for the season. I think his injury, right? I think no. He was supposed to be out only six to eight weeks. But I guess it was a hip injury, and because okay, he's fifty-seven guess. years old already, <laughs> maybe it's a little longer than they originally thought. I mean, maybe he's just suffering from crippling hamstring. <laughs> maybe he's he's got another one who has like a salt deficiency or something. <laughs> now, guess we can shift to European football. I thought the interesting talking point, in some respects, from the weekend was the farce that happened in Portugal with the Benfica match, where they had to play against the team. The match started against. I, I, I'm going to try and Belenenses, yeah, uh, who had I think seventeen COVID cases? They made them play the, to the match, so we're not able to feel. They made them play with the match started. With it seven started. Oh like, no no no! Did they grab it a started, few from the stands? It, it, it started with it started with nine, but there were two goalkeepers. I think on the pitch, maybe. Are you? Sh- I think it because started then I with think seven. the second half started with seven, and then an injury meant that it went to six. So there was the forfeit. <laughs> Oh no, no, no! I let I let the whole story tell, but yeah, it's um, it's farcical. I actually did not hear about it, so I, I want to hear. Yeah, what and, and like play wise, 
Well, Benfica were seven. Benfica were seven nil <laughs> up at halftime. No, no, like the owner of Belenenses was crying because, I, I mean, I, I get it. It must be tough, and it's also now come out that th- I think it's thirteen Belenenses players have um, been confirmed with COVID, and all of them have this new um, Omicron variant from South Africa. And guess how many cases? You're not supposed to say. You're oh, not really? supposed to say that. Yeah, Sam. I thought that was the Greek. No. Oh. No, you, you were right. South Africa. Oh, okay. they just sequenced. Okay. Sorry, it, and it to be first ravaging first through South Africa, but it's not first, from South Africa. First detected <laughs> in South Africa. Let's go with that then. Um, and you know what's how many with cases? all these professional football players getting COVID? It's well, crazy. I would say that does um, the vaccine Port- work? Well, Portugal has. <laughs> 13 cases of this variant <laughs> and Belenenses have 13 cases of it. So they now account for Portugal's entire count of this uh, COVID strand. So that's pretty good. So it seems you were right, Sam. It, they, yeah, they match started with nine players. I do like looking at flash scores for the lineup. So they had no substitutes. I do like that flash scores, which obviously gives you the lineups and everything. It also lists missing players. According to this, Melanin says we're only missing one. So I don't know what the whole big deal was now, about. I, I have to... <laughs> ironically, ironically, a South African player <laughs> who was suspended. Why Why not just forfeit? Well, if you're playing with nine did. and two are keepers. But why not? Why even play? Is, well, they actually, they actually played it really well, right? Because they were 7-0 down. Then it did, went to did nine. Did they? <laughs> yeah, then it went to 9-0. And then because of an injury, they forfeited. And a forfeit is a 3-0 win. So <laughs> My guess is as to why they played. So the, the real question is why the league itself doesn't have just better rules in place to deal with outbreaks. Whether that, But I think probably the situation was, I would imagine, they probably asked for a postponement. Probably the way the league is set up. That doesn't justify a postponement. It's put players out there. And then the idea of them not fulfilling their fixtures probably would have meant that they would have been heavily fined and sanctioned. So you kind of, you got to play the game, but at the same time, but then don't cry as the owner. The thing I question is if it's really that embarrassing to you, then just the money and forfeit from the start. If if you're going to be so embarrassed by losing with only fielding seven players, but it might not just be, (laughs) but it, it might not just be money if you're not fulfilling your fixtures. It might be points deductions. It might be future sanctions. It might be a lot more serious than just a 50,000 euro fine and a slap on the wrist. But, And I'm sure we can find that information, but obviously we don't have it. Um, the thing that surprises me is how they weren't able to use youth players or something to at least fill the lineup out. That bit, I've yet to hear an explanation as to why they weren't able to do that. I mean, I know it will in part be because of the outbreak. And it was throughout the entire team. But it seems strange to me that you weren't able to get some, you know, under 23s to come in and play for a week and have the biggest moment of their life playing against Benfica. Yeah, before, yeah, and then going into isolation. Could they have asked random members of the crowd or were there no crowd? Well, you have to have the players registered, right? But yeah, I think even Benfica criticized the fact that it wasn't like postponed or. Uh, change so it wasn't like Benfica were like oh great this will be an easy win I think I think their kind of hierarchy were like this isn't a game it isn't competition like I I think there was pretty much a lot of criticism 
I don't really know who at though. Was it criticism at the league or is it criticism at like the Portuguese government or the health authorities for not being able to say like you should be th- doing th- something about this? I think it's a criticism of the league for just not having clear rules and protocols in place. And so an an issue that should have been obvious could well happen at some point over the course of a season. They haven't put in a, you know, a, a particular protocol to deal with that. So they're just treating it as if we're in absolutely normal times and hey, you got a lot of players injured. Tough, that's your problem. It's a little bit the circumstances are a little bit more unusual and exceptional, but but no, I mean, that's probably the only time this season we're going to talk about a match from the Portuguese league. So that's one for the books. In the Premier League, I mean, the big, big result of the week was United holding on for a draw against Chelsea in large part down to Jorginho forgetting how to play football. Another, in, another, why couldn't he have done that in the final of the Euros? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But uh, no, he, I mean, they dominated that match. Didn't create that many clear goal-scoring opportunities, but they were just all over United. I do find it, it's one of those interesting ones, right, where I, mean, I think the United players definitely put in more effort than they have done in some of the previous fixtures, but they fundamentally should have lost that goal, that match by a couple of goals. And it is an interesting one where suddenly people go, well, look at this, new manager gets the bump, you know, like honeymoon period for Michael Carrick. And the reality is, no, they just got the rub of the green and they should have lost convincingly. The performance wasn't good. They maybe tried a bit harder, but they didn't play. The second half, they showed glimpses of being decent. But, I mean, the first half, it it looked like men against boys. Yes. And obviously I- now they've appointed um, Rangnick as well as kind of interim manager. I think... I think they're playing Arsenal on Thursday, actually, which is an interesting game for the fortunes of those two teams, right, in the in the kind of European tussle. But um, do you think he's the kind of manager, like, apparently a few people have already sounded a bit of a horn about, like, kind of the disciplinarian style he has and kind of, like, low risk, low reward, quite basic but solid form of football that he plays. Is that is that kind of what Man you need at the moment, that stability or...? Is it just kind of a bit of a boring interim? Or is that a job of an interim to be pretty boring and just stable? Uh, I'm a bit torn about him as an appointment. Obviously, we're talking about the father of the Gagan press, right? So he is in many ways responsible for the, the way that the vast majority of good teams play now. So you have to respect the fact that he has a clear vision of the way he wants his teams to play. He breaks it down very clearly. I think Manchester United will be very will be much more organized. They probably need a bit of a disciplinarian. I know he's very unpopular in Moscow. I think they're happy to see the back of him. So who knows what that means? But it's an interesting appointment, right? Because he's coming in as interim manager, and then he has a consultancy contract that comes on the end of that. So they're at least avoiding any real controversy of if he does well, will he remain as manager? They're it's clearly defined from the start that he is there to. I don't know how well suited that team is. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is not suited to a, a, a high press approach. Um, they do have other players who are in Rashford and Sancho and stuff, but I don't, you know, 
that could be the writing on the wall for in some respects for Ronaldo. It will be interesting. I mean, you know, who knows? He's obviously extremely well respected by everyone in German football. That's a good sign. Obviously, Germany has done well in producing very talented managers in recent seasons. So we'll see. But it doesn't. He also has a rule, right? He doesn't sign anyone over the age of twenty-four. So it's like a little bit like me playing football manager, but it's completely out of line with the transfer policy that Manchester United have had recently. I mean, a lot of the players they've signed and also who they are continued to be linked with are over 24. So if he is really going to come in and implement his vision of how a football club should be run, it's going to be a very different looking Manchester United than the one we've seen over the last two and a half years. Do you think it cared too much about that kind of policy as interim? Like I know January is going to be important for them, but they blew a ton of transfer money. Not to say the manual will ever run out of money, but Ronaldo wages, Varane wages, Sancho money. Like they they must have blown a lot. They must have blown something. Um well, I'm sure this I mean they still got more money, right? But and it, they may well sell some players. You know, the Pogba looks unlikely to fit into this system, so you have to imagine he might be out the door in January. But uh, I mean, that long-term vision, because he's being brought in as someone who's going to be remain at the club, yes, if he was just interim manager, then those kind of policies probably wouldn't be that relevant. But it seems as if he is there to put in a structure and then a manager is going to come in and work within that structure. So if he is a firm, you must have, this is something he's consistently applied. You have to imagine that when he sat down to speak to Manchester United about it, that he sold them on that kind of vision. So it would be weird if they weren't doing that. And I mean, the big the big goal, right, is to sign Holland. That's what they're all vying for. So for them, to, in order to do that, obviously he fits inside that, pol- that under-24 policy. They need to get Sancho happy. That's step number one, so that he can help convince Holland to come. And then they need to create an environment where Holland thinks he'll be successful and the press system is probably one, I mean, it's one that he's definitely used to. So it's probably a step in the right direction. You had a question, Frank, about 35 <laughs> no, minutes No, I was just going to comment on you saying that Chelsea dominated that game. I didn't watch because I was in my cramp-loading hike. But when I looked at the flash score, that was one of those ones where you look at the flash score, you see the result, and you are you don't even have to have watched the match to be at become extremely angry that your team that you bet didn't win because it, I mean, it was insane. It was something like 26 to two on goal attempts or something like that. And 15 corners to two, or, you know, like it was heavily, heavily one-sided. Uh, I can only imagine having taken Chelsea, how that would have felt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I think it's frustrating. And for Chelsea, it's two points dropped. I mean, you know, this is a tight title race and you can't afford to dominate a game and not come away with all three points, particularly given the fact that they dropped points a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, it's not ideal for them, especially when you start to feel as if City are really starting to get rolling. Liverpool look very, very good. So, you know, if Chelsea are going to be really competing for the title, they they can't afford to have results like this because it just it puts so much pressure onto 
yeah. other matches. Factor in then that third team as well, because when you look at the league, the top three are just absolutely running away with it. Like goal difference, what is it, 26, 20, 28, all plus. You know, they're five points clear of West Ham. And then you look at the teams below. And okay, they're big names. Of course they are. But I think five of them have minus goal differences. One's on zero. And I think it's just really showing that there's such a gulf between the top three and everyone else. It, it like, okay, we all know that Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea, we, we spoke about it in our preview going into it, were going to be really good. But how obvious it is that they are a cut above is really telling, I think, in every single performance um, at the moment. That's a very top-heavy league. And yeah, there just seemed to be a pretty big gulf between those three and the rest. Now, one thing I did catch this weekend, too, it was the match. It was the big one, Bryson against Brooks. And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. They really hate each other. In particular, Brooks Kepka really, really hates Bryson DeChambeau. That was clear throughout the entire experience. He did nothing to try and make it seem as if that was going to change. I actually kind of, and I almost felt, again, sort of sorry for Bryson because he just seems like a little bit of a dork. The initial joke with the cupcakes fell super flat. I don't know if you, how much of this did I did not get to watch it, Nox. I was going to ask, was it genuine dislike? It wasn't fabricated or made up for for the match? No, no. Brooks Kepka hates him. That was clear. Now, I think Bryson is probably more in the camp of dislike, but is playing into it a bit because he thinks, and I think he's trying to also salvage it because he knows he was the guy people hated. So you did feel, and again, I kind of felt sorry for him at moments where he was trying to make more kind of lighthearted jabs with jokes. So he brought, for example, he brought cupcakes, Kepka cupcakes, to hand out to people at the start. And I don't get it. just had Kepka in the tea box. Is there some background to that? Did uh, Ke- does Kepka give out cupcakes? Or is it because it Kepka cupcakes? It, I think, yeah, is it really awkward? Where it's like Kepka cupcakes? I think it's just because Kepka and cupcakes kind of sound sort of similar. I That's how I took it. And it just had his face. It just had Brooks so Kepka's face on the cupcakes. DeChambeau no gave them to Kepka like, eh, eh. and said, give these out to fans. No, no, no. So while they were in the tee box, ready to, Bryson was about to tee off. He said, oh, before we tee off, I know it's some Thanksgiving, so probably everyone's a bit full. But like, if anyone in the crowd wants, I brought some Brooks Kepka cupcakes. If anyone wants one, you know, maybe Brooks Brooks can have the last one. But uh, if anyone wants one, here you go, guys, take them. And then he, he got out a tray with like six cupcakes on them and he just passed them out into this little crowd that was standing around the tee box and people took them. The and Brooks Kepka was just standing on the other side of the tee box, just kind of <laughs> staring at him, and then eventually did that laugh of like, "This is stupid." Like this, Deshambo either and, needs uh, to fire his PR firm and, or needs to fire his mother slash girlfriend. I just think came he, up with that. <laughs> I think he's just a, I think he's just a dork. But like in the build up too, I watched it. You know, they were speaking about it, and they asked. Like, why do you two dislike each other so much? And Brooks Kepka was like, I just think we have nothing in common. <laughs> and they were kind of being interviewed. I don't know who the guys were. Aren't they both professional golf players? Isn't that and, a major thing to have in common? <laughs> well, 
Well, well the, the comedians interviewing them were like, they're kind of surprised. Like, it seems like you two have a, a lot in common, which I think is actually a genuine comment. Like, they're professional golfers. They are both into, like, working out, right? They're kind of jacked professional golfers. Like, they actually have a decent amount. Of, the thing I will say is there's definitely – Brooks Kepp is not a big trainer, right? I mean – on his physique, sure, but he doesn't. He opens up. He's open about the fact that he doesn't really practice much. Like the way he practices is just by playing. So, in terms of mentality, they are very different people. Um, and Brooks Kepka, Brooks Kepka won easily. It was only twenty. It was a twelve-hole match, right? He he was four up when it ended. So, and uh, Phil Mickelson was was commentating. That was kind of fun, you know, like he's got a little bit of charm and he was kind of playing into it, but at the same time, I think it was clear they just did not like each other. Now, did did it but, the genuine dislike, did it cause any good laughs or was it more awkward and kind of like cringeworthy? So I'd say before it was cringeworthy, during the match itself, they kind of didn't interact that much. They spoke to the commentators and stuff, and there were those interactions and the commentators, Phil Mickelson and, and Charles Barkley and stuff, they were kind of doing a good job of being funny and speaking about them, speaking about it. And the golf was good. So I think that's different because it was a match where it was just two professional golfers playing each other. That was a very different feel to some of the recent ones where you're watching a guy who's not really that good. Like this was two of the world's best golfers playing match play golf for 12 holes. Um. But they just kind of didn't talk. It was like watching two guys play golf together who don't like each other. There was, you know, if they hit a good shot, it would be a good shot. But aside from that, there wasn't a lot. I think Brooks Kepka felt like he, I mean, when he won, he, he, he like sank his, like, a pot at one moment, which pretty much won him the game. He's like, any questions? <laughs> that kind of thing. But, and then at the end... I did feel bad for Bryson at the end. So they were like both getting interviewed and the girl interviewing them was like, well, you know, this is good. You know, so many people will have enjoyed this and it's kind of good to put the rivalry to rest and, you know, for the two of you to interact. And Bryson was like, yeah, no, you know, it was really good to be able to put this behind us. And, you know, it was a good game. Brooks played, played really well. And, you know, hopefully I can get him in the rematch. And then Bruce Kepa was like, yeah, it's just good to have this done with. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I did like, read, no I did read that he's like, to be honest, I just wanted to go out there and spank him. Like, I didn't see it, but I saw some of, like, the reaction. And it yeah. seems like Kupka's just like, it's done. I've clearly just beaten you. It was easy. Move on. And obviously, DeChambeau is more like, oh, you know, see you next time. Let's keep this going. Let's have some fun. They, they seemingly have a different dynamic to yeah. the rivalry as well, which is interesting. Well, and then at the end... The, the interviewer was like, did we just become best friends? And simultaneously, they were like, no. <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> That's really good. I mean, at the only good the only, the only good jibe Bryson kind of got in was, oh, and then that this was the awkward moment. Before, they were like, say something nice about each other. They got asked to do that while they were both sitting there. They were like, just say something nice about the other guy. And Bryson DeChambeau was like, you know, I have to respect him as a golfer and, and to like the four majors that he's won. It's really impressive. And he has great teeth. He like made that. And then, and you know what I mean? He was just trying to do the, like, 
Yeah. I thought it was a good answer. And then they were like, Brooks, say, Brooks, say something nice. And he was like, I don't know. That's pretty <laughs> Really? <hard." laughs> and he just, yeah, he just, that was, that that's was kind of one back for he Bryce. never, I think. Because it, it sounds like Kovka has just been a dick for the sake of being a dick in that statement. But I agree that when you put someone on the spot to say like, oh, say something you like about him. It's like, that's a horrible question. He didn't say, no, no, no. They didn't say, say something you like. They said, say something nice. So, you know, he, he could have just done the same. He's a good golfer. I, am, I admire his work ethic. That could have been such an easy way to like, he's not my style, but I have to admire the work he puts into his game. He did, after the event, said, look, look, it's pretty cool to be up close and seeing how Bryson hits a ball. That he did say after the event. He was like, when you see him hitting a ball like that, it's pretty cool to be around. But um, but no, it, it, I think the thing that's clear is basically like, he genuinely hates, uh, and and that was the other thing. They're like, "What could you do to each other to put each?" This is pre pre match. They're like, "What could you do to the other person to put them off if they're standing over the game winning putt? What would you do to put them off?" And Bryson DeChambeau was like, "That's easy. I just walk behind him on a path with my with my uh, cleats on." And uh, Brooks kind of like laughed, and he was like. Now, because at least that noise would drown out the sound of your voice. <laughs> wow! So he's like, "That wouldn't." He was like, "That wouldn't put me off at all." I think it, but yeah, it's basically clear. I think Brooks Kepka hates him, and I think Bryson DeChambeau is more. This is a rivalry that's kind of appeared. But I think he probably doesn't really have a strong opinion on Brooks Kepka, apart from consistently feeling like, "Why do you hate me so much?" And then maybe kind of trying to embrace it because he thinks it's a good way for him to you know, sort of get attention and spin it into things like this, but fundamentally probably goes home and goes like, I don't know why this guy just likes me so much. He's got like the Balotelli, why always me next time he plays golf. No, because I think Balotelli deep down probably understood (laughs) why. (laughs) The Brooks Kevko one, the Bryson DeChambeau one, and look, there are genuine reasons. The slow play, the times with excuses, like lots of different things. There have been real issues that have led to I mean, I think it's, but I think it's what it you brought seem. up is because you see it in other sports too. I even see it, you know, even when we play like rec hockey, you have people who are just naturally gifted, but don't really train, don't really practice and just do it because they're good and gifted at it. And they dislike the people who really put in that extra effort and try really hard and try and overachieve. And you can see sometimes there are people who, you know, on one side of the spectrum, dislike those on the other side of that spectrum, just because they're so opposing of each other in the way that they get to where they are. And I can see that. And I can kind of see Kepka being that type of guy who's like, dude, it's just fucking golf. Like, give it up. Like, stop trying to try, stop being a, you know, try hard, you know, like, and that just ticks him off a lot. And it could be that the more DeChambeau try, tries to try, it's just going to keep pissing him off more and more. <laughs> No, for sure. And then the other things, the slow play is a big one, right? Like that's, but no, I think for, and yeah, there seems no genuine animosity from Bryson to Brooks. It's, it seems pretty one way, but I, it was better than some of the other ones. I would watch that. I'm happy to watch two elite golfers play match play and be mic'd up and have commentators who are really speaking to them and stuff. I would I could do that all the time. 
Bryson did get one good drive in where he, Brooks Kepka hit a really good shot and he was like, why can't you do this on the PGA tour? And, uh, and then, uh, and then Brooks Kepka's response was like, well, you know, I only really do it in the, in the majors. And like, this is a major to me, but you know, overall enjoyable. All right. Well, with that, I guess I'll talk to you boys later. See you.